2: craft month with the perfect pizza at home class from craftsy and anytime is right to listen to iheartradio's iheartcountry radio discover more shows and movies for free
3: this is straight fire with jason mcintyre What is up, Straight Fire fam? It's
5: me, Jason McIntyre. This is Straight Fire for Tuesday, November 23rd. Boy, do we have a special show today. It's not going to be Giants Tampa heavy. That game sucked. It was awful. I'm angry, but it's going to be a great episode because our guest is None other than Dan Shaughnessy, basically the dean of Boston sports writing for the last three decades. I don't know about you guys. I I think of Boston sports. I think of Dan Shaughnessy in the media. I grew up reading this guy as soon as the internet was around. Of course, um, he was you know uh, the start, the jumping off point for anything Boston. And this guy wrote a book, which is uh, I haven't read it yet, but it sounds tremendous. Wish it lasted forever. Basically, he covered the Celtics in the seventies and eighties. You know, obviously the 80s teams with Bird, Parrish, McHale, and he had a front row seat for it all. And this is where he would ride the team plane, the team bus. Uh, It was basically embedded with the team for years. It doesn't get much better than that. Uh, A lot of the reporters now, they just don't have any access. It's all through layers. You got to go through the team and you got to go through the agent and the PR guy and the marketing guy. Shaughnessy has stories galore about being around these guys. You know, one of the some of the greater teams that the league has ever seen, some of these Celtics teams. He's got stories. And um obviously I crowbar in some Patriots questions at the end just cuz you know, the Patriots are in first place in the AFC East. Something that nobody thought was possible. I think you're going to love the interview. At the end we will do Thanksgiving Best Bets. Yes, Thanksgiving Best Bets because there will be no podcast tomorrow um, just taking a day off tomorrow'll be back for sure on Friday. Why is that? Well, we'll have NFL picks Friday and I will be hosting the Dan Patrick show on Black Friday with Rob Parker so uh, check us out Friday morning you know when you wake up to drive to Black Friday pop on the radio Dan Patrick show I'll be on it uh, it'll be fun I, I haven't hosted in a couple months but um done it many times. It's always fun, and Parker gets me all combative because he says silly, incendiary stuff about guys that I cherish in the sports world and enjoy watching, so it should be fun on Friday. But first, before we get to uh, Shaughnessy or Thanksgiving best bets, I just have to quickly say how frustrating the New York Giants was last night. The door was open, okay? They never had a chance to win that game. They were definitely the inferior team, no doubt about it. But – They drive deep into Tampa territory, and Danny Dimes cannot deliver on fourth down. They get the ball back, and Danny Dimes throws an unconscionable interception. I don't know how I could have put him back in the game after that. Um, He basically threw it directly to a Tampa Bay player on what was supposed to be a screen, and he was under duress. This is just what he does. And then later in the game, another interception where – I mean, Devin White just read him like a book, the linebacker. Um, He got his hand on it, picked off. Uh, Danny Dimes is just terrible. I know he goes through stretches where he looks like a palatable quarterback, and oh, maybe he can be okay. And you could talk yourself into thinking the Giants have something with Tony and Ingram and uh, the shepherd. Uh, shepherd and um, oh yeah, Saquon Barkley's decent when he can actually get going. And they just can never get anything right. This team in this franchise is just so gross and disgusting. And this is, you know, it's it's one of those games and weekends in the NFL where it leaves me frustrated Uh, and just hundred percent real talk here. It was a profitable weekend for me. It was a good weekend NFL gambling and I still went two and three in the contest. And even though I made money, I lost in the contest, lost ground after the four and one last week, I was feeling good. And you know, you just, again, I don't know the discipline of not overreacting to line moves, the world being on certain teams the market moving against me. I talked on the pod last week about the Colts all week. Love the Colts. And then it goes up to seven and a half. That's, that's big money to move it from seven to seven and a half on the Bills. And I backed off. I had already made the bets on the Colts. But in the contest, you don't have to get your bets until Saturday. So I said, eh, let, me, let me get off the Colts. And the Vikings felt like the right side. But then anywhere you look, the whole, everybody on the planet, social media, any, any article you read, any radio show, TV, everybody loved the Vikings. And it, that's one of those where it's like, ooh, I, I just don't know if I should ride with everybody. So I said, you know what? I had already bet them. I'll, I, the bet's out there, but I'm not going to do it in the contest. I'm going to change it up in the contest, and I went Browns and Giants. And that's the difference between a 4-1 and, and a 2-3. and three. And it's just frustrating, and that contest is more challenging than anything I've ever done, folks. At any rate, um, Giants, they're awful. Major changes coming to that organization. Tampa Bay looks to be getting right. By the way, Tampa Bay Indy is now going to be a tremendous game this weekend. Very excited for it. But listen, it's way too early. The Quinton Nelson injury. Yes, I mentioned an offensive lineman injury on my IG stories. Definitely bears watching. But um, that's enough NFL. Let's get to Dan Shaughnessy and his new book, Wish
3: It Lasted Forever. You know a guy. Jason likes to think he knows everything when it comes to sports.
5: I know what sports fans
3: want. But for everything he doesn't, he knows a guy who does. Let's just say,
0: I know a guy who knows a guy who knows another guy.
3: All right, guys, let's welcome
5: into Straight Fire one of the, I don't know, I guess one of the biggest journalists on the planet when I was growing up and reading newspapers all the time, and he was running things in Boston covering the Celtics, and really, at the the forefront of the NBA in the 80s, and he's got a new book coming out. It sounds amazing. Wish it lasted forever. Dan Shaughnessy on the NBA era of the 70s and 80s. Dan, how are you, man? I'm good, Jason. How are you? I- I'm excellent because uh, I-, I love this topic. I-, I know. Listen, I know it's football season, and a lot of people yeah. uh, are-, are love want to hear your take on the Patriots who are in first place, sure. which is making me vomit. But we got to start with your book. Wish it lasted forever. You essentially were covering Larry Bird and the, and the Celtics in the 80s, but not the way that they cover the league now. I mean, looking at how the league is covered now versus what you were able to do, riding on team flights, hanging out with the players in the lobby, like it's just changed dramatically, has it not?
1: Yeah, it was weird. When I, I remember when the COVID bubble hit and they, they came back to play in the summer of 2020 in Orlando, and the reporters who went there had to sign a waiver saying they would not approach any player or coach if they saw them. <laughs> They, they just didn't, you know, there's a big moat now between us and them. And I understand that. And players can direct, you know, can contact their fans directly in social media. And they don't really need us anymore. And I get that. And then, you know, the way they travel, you know, small planes and charters and five-star hotels. And and we're nowhere near any of that. I mean, the practice is closed, all that stuff. Well, I can tell you, back when dinosaurs roamed the earth and Larry Bird, and <laughs> Robert Parrish, and Kevin McHale roamed it with them and the beat reporters i was at the boston globe and uh yeah we it was like outside of the, the not having the groupies and the fame and the money it was like being on the team i mean we were with them all mm-hmm. the time we were on the buses went to practice stayed in the same hotels flew commercial you know waited for bags made connections in newark and chicago and all that stuff so you're with these guys all the time and you're really able to tell the readers what they were like and and this this book uh, this book came out last week and it's sort of a love letter to the earlier time of the NBA. And again, you guys are kind of young, but the league was kind of scuffling when Larry bird and magic came into it. And, um, you know, the finals were on tape delay and, you know, there was drug issues in the league and teams were losing money. Players weren't that famous and man, it just came roaring back in the eighties and, and the, the bird magic finals were like the Ali Frazier for the NBA. And then of course, Michael came in, and by 92, you got the dream team, and they're global, and 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 there's no looking back. The NBA has just taken off since then. Yeah, you mentioned the moat between us and them now. When, when do you
5: think that changed? Because, they, they, I mean, throughout the 80s, you had a front row seat for everything. Um, and if you just go back and read some of the clippings that you wrote back then, it was clear that you were, like, embedded with the team 24-7.
1: When did that change, do you think? Well, yeah, when you say front row seat, literally, and there's pictures in this book where we're sitting, where basically on the bench, you know, those scores tables between the two benches, that used to be the lowly media. And then they figured out they could sell those things for multiple thousands of dollars. And we got bounced upstairs. And I understand that. So, you know, one of the weird things, Jason, this actually changed in the, in the late 80s, I think, with the advent of frequent flyer miles and Marriott points. You know, the, the, the writers started to separate, wanted to get credit for their own points, their own miles. And then teams said, oh, great, we don't have these guys around anymore. And teams started getting private jets and did away with commercial flight. That was player perks and, you know, plays association. So, yeah, it just got wider and wider. And and then, you know, we were never around after that. And, you know, restrictions on media access, closing practice. Now with the, pan, with the pandemic, the locker room shut down yeah. probably for good. Abundance of caution will keep us away forever. I understand that. So uh, I'm just glad, you know, I got to do it at the time. And and we could really, like, we got a situation with the Celtics now. We don't know if Smart likes Brown or Brown likes Tatum, if they like the new coach, you know, if they're brawling in the locker room. We don't know any of that stuff because we're just not near it. But uh, I can tell you back then, we knew they didn't like Bill Fitch in the early 80s. We knew Casey Jones was the solution for that. And we knew the joy and fun that they had security in their own greatness. These guys really did like each other. You know, Maxwell, Bird, Parrish, McHale, D.J., it was unusual, and it was special, and, and again, this book sort of brings that out.
5: In the book, do you kind of chronicle – you said they didn't like Bill Fitch. I'm sure. I'm assuming, given you yeah. were around the team so much, you were able to see the disdain and hear it uh, from the players?
1: Oh, yeah. I was day drinking in Chicago on a day off once, and ML Carr came back from practice. He was still wearing his sweats, and he had basically ended practice because you know Coach Fitch was – yelling at everybody and, and they were done parish and, and max and mikhail they were done with an ml commandeer the team busted practice is over we're going home we're going back to the hotel and if you don't come with me you'll be have to get cabs to get back to the to the hotel so he was leading an insurrection at that time and he told us about it in the hotel bar you know it was, it was not for quotes but it was for our knowledge so that we knew yeah. and sure enough you know they, they got swept by the bucks in that playoff and Fitch took a hike and went to houston to be with olajuan and ralph sampson and KC rolled it out, and they were in the finals the next four years. Wow! So it, it's interesting that you say we don't
5: know, like now, what's going on in the Celtics locker room. And I'm sure there's a segment uh, of the audience now saying, "Well, why should why should the yeah. media have to know? Why you know why?" Um, kind of elaborate on why we need to know. Well, because, here's
1: the thing. Okay, if if go ahead. Yeah. If you're a fan of the Celtics, you know you're paying a lot of money to go to those games. If you're going or you're paying cable rights and everything. And it's, it's more or less consumer investment and in protecting the consumer. Let you know if what you're buying is legit, if there's reasons they're underperforming. And and if I'm a fan, I want to know that. And I mean, in my view, if, if they don't like the coach, if they if they need a new coach, we don't know with Stevens last year, was that because they just tuned him out? Did, it, did he have to go? Did he have to be kicked upstairs? I just think, you know, if the fans don't care, I don't care because really I'm not there for my own, you know, interest. I'm there because I assume the fans of the team do care about this stuff. So, yeah, that's kind of the root of it. And uh, I, I just think, again, when you when you have that kind of access, you're able to tell the fans what they're like. It brings out the personality. I don't even know if you know Tatum and Brown like each other. Well, I could mm-hmm. tell you, you know, Bird and McHale liked each other, and Bird and Maxwell mm-hmm. had an issue now and then. McHale and Bird had an issue now and then. Maybe fans don't care. I think when you invest in your your heart, your soul, and your dollars into a team, you do want to know stuff about them. Yeah. Do you think in some way
5: newspapers kind of being shoved out of the locker room, if you will, has opened the void, and that's been filled by all these TV shows and radio shows? Like, you can basically go on and say whatever you want now, because guess what? Nobody knows anything because it hasn't been reported. That's exactly –
1: it's a very strong, very strong remark by a young guy right there. I love what you just said because that's it right there. I mean, everybody has opinions. You watch TV, you have opinions. But in the again, when dinosaurs roamed the earth, those opinions were founded by people who were around it and could tell you, yes, they don't like each other. Or, yes, they don't like the coach. It was it was founded in something other than watching TV and having an opinion. So, yeah, we were we were boots on the ground, eyes and ears of the fans. And I just think it's a better place than to have the Wild West of everybody watching TV and commenting on stuff. They know nothing about.
5: Yeah, no, no, absolutely nothing. Now, I, I was co- will confess, I was uh, a Magic fan in the '80s. I didn't like Bird, but obviously, I respected him because that sure. was incredible. Um, you know, what's he like to be around on an on an average day in the '80s when he's one of the best players in the NBA and probably the, one of the most recognizable uh, faces in America.
1: I mean, it was it was so much fun though when you know the old LA Forum. I still love when they show the overhead shot of that football thing out there. You can still see the forum it looks like a guard shack next to that thing. <laughs> But uh, back in the day, that was that was the uh, headquarters for the Showtime Lakers. And and yeah, I remember Larry Bird going to the free throw line. The Lakers were just is routing them like one thirty to one oh four. And Larry's at the free throw line is a quiet moment. And the fan yelled, out, Larry, how do you stay so white? And it was just one of those moments just kind of lit up the gym. But he was Larry was not trusting of strangers. I understood that. Uh, being traveling with him for three or four years, it got better. And and he'd open up a little bit, you know, kind of late at night, maybe having a couple of beers in the hotel lounge, whatever he noticed things. He noticed everything. They called me scoop. He didn't really trust me. He'd say scoop. Do you notice how quiet it gets in the locker room. When you walk in here, I was okay with that. I understood that. And he he'd watch, we were in Portland one time and Kenny Carb he coned me with a pass while they were warming up at the Portland end, hit me right in the head, broke my glasses and bird <laughs> noticed everything. He was watching from his end, warming up, he, tracked, he traced me down the bar that night. He goes, Scoop, you was pissed. I saw that ball hit you in the head. You were really mad at Kenny Carr. So he was just – he was noticing stuff. We saw him banking three-pointers in New York one night when he was – you know he had won three straight three-point contests. And just for laughs, he started banking them in practice for the Knicks game. And the trainer of the Knicks, Mike Saunders, said, you're not going to do that in a game. And Larry said, if you give me five bucks, I will. So they had a little side bet. And late in the game, the Celtics were routing the Knicks, and Larry banked a three-pointer. Ran by the next bench with his greedy palm extended, looking for his five bucks for Mike Saunders. That's the way he was.
5: Oh man, and and the you know the Portland story where he what I don't know what do you have like thirty points with his left hand or something yeah. crazy? Uh, I I just we don't have that access where there is that kinship. Like LeBron will go bonkers in a game and have a monster game, but it has nothing to do with the media. And he's more speaking to his fans on sure. social media after the game than the media. How much does that hurt? Uh, the product, because again, you know, Dan, when you look at it, everything's
1: filtered now.
5: We're not getting the uh, the real true story that you
1: would give us in the 80s. Yeah, I mean, it was funnier. I mean, after that, I could tell you that Portland game, it was a Friday night. And it was, you know, the West Coast trip when you when you're in Boston, you, you do like five, six, seven games out there. You go back and forth, Denver and Seattle, Sacramento, the whole thing. But I remember Portland was Friday. The Lakers were Sunday. And that was always a big thing. The Laker game was 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 the was the big kahuna of that trip. And so he got the, I think he had 47, but there was a lot of left-handed action when he would get inside. And we said to him after the game, what's up with the left hand tonight? He said, I'm saving my right for the Lakers. And sure enough, he was.
0: (laughs) I mean, that really is incredible. Winter's coming here in LA. That means more rain for others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, tire rack has tires that will elevate your drive all season tires, Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, see their Pirelli test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury, the premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. feels just right don't miss it mark your calendars and be the first to see it march 20th at 7 p.m eastern only on iHeartRadio's youtube channel save the date at new-qx80.com 2025 qx80 coming this summer
2: when you're an american express platinum card member don't be surprised if you say things like chef what course are we on I've, i've lost count
3: or shoot that shoot that And even... Checkout's not until 4, so...
2: Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Terms apply.
0: As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds...
4: It was shocking.
0: I have to know...
6: sales event deals when you visit buyatoyota.com. Toyota, Toyota, let's go places.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com and within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live.
5: I'm just kind of in awe of the access you had, because right now, you know, if LeBron shows up at a mall or Jalen Brown or Tatum or any of those guys, you know, they're mobbed by fans. And was that really the case with Bird in the '80s? Because with no well, <laughs> social media and all that stuff, like it's funny. It's funny
1: you mention that because you know Larry, he didn't like getting out much, didn't like strangers that much, and you know if, if the autograph people came around, that kind of would shut things down altogether. Uh, I was with him. We stayed at a at a Hyatt in Indianapolis, and I remember getting ready to go out to the bus, and there was a, it was attached to a mall. He wanted McDonald's before we went out to the bus, so we went into McDonald's. And being with Larry Bird at a McDonald's in Indianapolis, it was like, it was like that scene in Coming to America when the the King of Zumanda and, and, you know, the the guy selling peanuts just gets down on his knees and starts bowing. I mean, they were just, they couldn't even speak. It was like Elvis Presley in Memphis or something. It was crazy. So that would happen. But then other times, we were in Dallas one time, we were having a few beers on a day off, and uh, the reunion arena then where the Mavericks played was attached to the hotel. So we're in the atrium. And Springsteen was playing next door. Mm. And man, the doors flew open for Springsteen and like thousands of young people came running through our hotel to get to, to the Springsteen show. And Larry looked up and said, what's going on? They said, Bruce Springsteen's playing next door tonight. And he said, who's that? Oh I said, Bruce Springsteen. He said, yeah, who's that? I said, Larry, he's the U of rock and roll. He said, <laughs> well, he must be pretty good then. Jeez, uh you know, no Larry idea Larry,
5: Larry Legend. You gave him the nickname if memory serves, right?
1: I don't know. I think there was just it was just a alliteration there. He had that. He had that. The hick from French lick, Larry Legend, he right. had all that stuff.
5: Um, I you know, I have kind of banged on the 80s as being way better basketball than the 90s. And I we you and I have got into it about the whole Michael Jordan thing. I am curious though, when you look at, you saw guys in the '80s going to uh, McDonald's, as you just said. You saw guys smoking cigarettes, drinking alcohol, like before, probably the night before games.
1: Oh yeah. I mean,
5: the guys right now are in unbelievable shape. They, you yeah. know, Le- Le- LeBron and some of these guys, they don't eat anything without be getting it cleared from their nutritionist. <laughs> um, I am curious, Dan, when you compare the '80s, '80s talent and basketball players versus now, there's really no comparison, right?
1: Well, here's the thing. I, I, what you're saying about diet and, you know, taking care, I, I do think they were, they're more careful now. And, you know, like, like Maxwell would always get a bag of burgers for a game at the garden. He'd have the ball boys go across the street and bring him back a bag of burgers. And Larry didn't like it. When I wrote about that, he said, scoop, I eat as bad as anybody else. He said, I hate staying in shape. When my career's over, I'll be the fattest bleep you ever saw. And of course he did not hold to that because he's pretty good shape and old guy now. But, uh, uh, yeah, you're right. I mean, th- there's more care about it. And certainly I don't know how the drinking is. And it wasn't like Larry'd have a lot of beer and guys would have would have beer. And that that definitely was going on the night before games. And I never thought it was it was out of control, but I think they, they're more careful today. They're more careful about everything today. But I'm gonna tell you that team, the 85-86 Celtics, there's no way anybody can tell me that does not translate to today's game when you've got Five Hall of Famers, a front court of giants. I mean, Bill Walton, 7'2. Parrish is seven feet. McHale, 6'10 with seven foot arms. Bird was 6'9. DJ is 6'4, physical guard. You had the outside shooters that you need today, Scott Wedman, Jerry Seasting, Danny Ainge, Larry Bird. That that team and Rick Carlisle, talked to him about this because he was on that team and he coaches in the league today. So he's current and he's about then. And he said, Yeah, we could still go. McHale said the only thing would be would be the the whistles. He said, if they let us play by the old rules, I I like our chances. If they're playing by today's rules, we all file out in the first quarter.
5: Yeah, I I just wonder. You know, Bill Walton, Parrish. I I don't know, Dan, and I'm not not being critical of them. In their era, they were great. Even a guy like Patrick Ewing, who was one of my favorite players growing up. I just don't know what those guys are in today's NBA. When you look at the centers, they're all shooting threes. Um, They're rim runners, or they're just not playing much. Uh, It's such a three-point game. I don't know. You know how do you, how do you think some of the centers of the '80s would translate to today?
1: Yeah, there's no way Robert Parrish-Walt is taking three-point shots. You know, again, yeah. you're going to have to play a different way. You're going to be playing a more of a low post passing game. And I, but why why do you need to have five people around the perimeter and just going back and forth? I mean, why not go at them with a the low post game? I obviously they're are different eras, but to me, it's not like talking about set shooters from the '50s who don't yeah. translate today. I I agree with that. You know, Bob Cousy, Bill Sharman, that's kind of a tough translation for today's game. But in my view, seven foot people who the basket's still ten feet tall. If you got right. three, seven feet people down there, you you make you pound inside, you make everybody go down there and and try and foul them out.
5: I mean, I, I, I guess I hear that it's just such a math equation now, and this yeah. kind of leads into the whole social media and team controlling everything. You know, I think really Tiger Woods, Dan was the one who started it where he's like, I don't need the media. I'm just going to create my own website and talk to them that way. Yeah. Are we, you know, spin this forward five, 10 years, are, are NBA players really, do they need the media? At all? No,
1: they already don't. And I understand that. Uh, it's just, it's different. And again, I, I don't, I don't, complain about it it's evolution that's just the way things evolve again i'm glad to get to do it even this whole thing with you know like lebron starting the super teams and taking his taking his talents to south beach that that's definitely a new thing that's it's it's part of the culture of the league now i get that we did not have that again larry bird his hatred for bill Lambeer was such that on when he was named all-star starter every year because bird was all-star yeah. He would say, You guys got to tell me when the reserves are mentioned because I want to know if Bill Lambeer is on that team again. Because I hate All Star weekend when Bill Lambert, I got to go to practice and get in that bus. And Bill's sitting there in the front row. He says, Good morning, Larry. And I got to go, Screw you, Bill.
5: <laughs> yeah. Well, I don't know that we have those hated rivalries anymore. No. It just no. doesn't. I mean, obviously, that some teams don't like to play others, but um, like the hatred is just not really there. I mean, that I don't want to say it hurts the product. Does it? I don't. I don't know.
1: I think you know. Again, you go back to that: the Bulls, Pistons, Celtics, Lakers, mm. Celtics, Pistons. That you know, watch some of those things. They're they're absolute wars. I liked it. You know, people are on the floor the whole game, and uh, you know, they're in each other's face. There's a lot of contesting. Well, we saw we saw LeBron pretty recently, and that wasn't very yes. nice. But but I mean, I we don't need bloodletting. But I think it's yeah. always nice when you get that kind of contact and, and and you know instincts where you're not liking each other, not yeah, hugging each other after the game.
5: Uh, I wonder if the, I guess the malice at the palace kind of shut all that down. Yeah. You just can't have the video. It just looks so bad for the league that they want to stamp out all the, and I I kind of get that. Yeah, right? of nah, damn, while well, we got you here, I yeah. got to ask you about the New England Patriots and Bill Belichick. By the way, do you have as close of a relationship with Belichick as you do, Larry
1: Bird? Uh, we're okay. I, I certainly don't, don't exploit that. I feel like if I have to have him, I can get him, but I don't exploit that. But he's been we're like the same age and I've seen him, you know, I mean, we were in Baltimore together in the 70s. So I, oh. I've i seen this whole thing and I, I'm a big believer in what he does
5: in terms of what as a coach or just as shutting everything down. And uh, yeah,
1: uh, I don't like, worry you know, about he, the media treatment. I, I know what he's up to there. And I, I don't really engage in that too much. He's just not going gonna... to wait. tell us. What is he up to? Well, he's not good to the media and he, he he's only going to do the court mandated minimum. You know, if you ask him if today's Monday, he will say, well, traditionally, that's the day that follows Sunday. But he's not going to tell you it's Monday. You have to figure it out. So that's he's just not going to do it. And he sees no competitive advantage in giving you one iota of information more than he is required to do. Mm. So that's that's the M.O. I get it. It's a little self-important, serious, not necessary. Sometimes late in the week, once the hay's in the barn, he'll give up a little more. We ask him about the Army-Navy game or something or, or, you know, punting schemes or long snappers, some real inside football. He'll talk about that all day. But basically, he's, he's given us the finger most of the time, so I just don't engage in that. I just think he's a great coach. They have a tremendous advantage going in on most weeks because almost all the coaches are afraid of him. And they wet their pants just seeing him, and, and you got a you know you got a six eight nine point advantage just just lining up with that. Very few guys that are not afraid of him in that league.
5: Yeah, and I mean, let's be honest. Did you see this coming? This no. first place in November after that? You know, spending like a drunken sailor in free agency on a bunch of dudes who people were like, eh. Nelson Aguilar yeah. Hunter henry <laughs> I, I I'm personally shocked but I guess we shouldn't be given he's done this for two decades right
1: no and and the rookie quarterback he just it just doesn't happen I mean and he hates rookie quarterbacks he's made a living killing rookie quarterbacks for 20 years so uh that was done at gunpoint because he didn't have anybody and cam you know that cam was the transition year and it wasn't pretty and and they finally bit the bullet and said okay we'll go with this kid and don't forget. Mac Jones is a Saban guy, so they they feel that they have some knowledge of him coming in because Bill and Saban are very tight. They're like the same guy at different levels. And uh, I think he came with the approval. And and so you you start off one and three, two and four. You start getting better. Conference isn't that strong, as we know. Uh, but they were in the game that they lost to Tampa. They went into overtime with the Cowboys. They gave away the opener in Miami. Harris fumbled. All they had to do was kick the field goal. So, I mean, it's a pretty solid representation thus far. The defense looks okay. Conference is wide open. You wouldn't want to play the chiefs right now, but absent that, I think, I think they're as good as anybody in the conference.
5: I, I got to add, I'll wrap up on this. You, you know, Bill, as well as anybody, he turns 70 next April. Yeah. And the idea that he's going to hang around here forever seems a little foreign to me, but I wonder, do you think there is like a cat and mouse game with him and Brady? Brady's like, I'm not ready to retire. I'm 44. I could play 50. <laughs> do you think Belichick wants to just outlast him, get another Super Bowl? What do you, what do you think? He, how long do you think he hangs around for?
1: I, I mean, he, it would really help him if he won a Super Bowl while Tom was still playing. Yeah. Because, you know, Bill got smacked down in a big way with Tom, you know, basically people thinking Bill ran Tom out of town. Tom goes and wins the Super Bowl. Bill's out of the playoffs and he's got to hear, you never want anything without Brady. I mean, Nobody likes that. He likes his history, his legacy, and all that stuff. So I think he's very happy with what's happened this year with his team and feels kind of validated, vindicated, whatnot, see where it goes. But, you know, he once said he didn't want to be like Marv Levy coaching in his 70s. Well, he's going to be that guy next year. The bigger thing, Jason, I think, is he wants to catch Shula. Uh, You know, I think he's 29 or 30 shy of Shula right now. That's the all-time. He's third right now. He will get to second. And then Shula's the the one, and I think he wants mm. to get that. History means a lot to this guy, and you're only talking about three or four more seasons to get to that.
5: Interesting. So thir- so thirty, and that's a uh, regular season or playoffs it's a combined. It's a combined number. Okay, I, so- I think it's
1: three forty-seven, but it, it's all yeah, it's all there.
5: Yeah, so he'd probably have three more. All right, good stuff, Dan Shaughnessy. Congrats on the book. Uh, it sounds incredible. Uh, it's called "Wish It Lasted Forever." about the bygone era of the 70s and 80s in the NBA. Basically, everybody in my age bracket will buy this as a stocking stuffer, if you will. Thanks a lot, Dan.
1: Thank you, Jason. Take care.
0: Winter's coming here in L.A. That means more rain. For others, a wintry combination of sleet, slush, snow, and ice. Whatever winter means to you, Tire Rack has tires that will elevate your drive. All-season tires. Go to TireRack.com slash Colin, see their Vredestein test results and special offers. They've been at this for over 40 years. Trust me, they're experts. TireRack.com slash Colin. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be.
3: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other. As Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury. The premiere of the all-new 2025 Infinity QX80. feels just right. Don't miss it. Mark your calendars and be the first to see it March 20th at 7 p.m. Eastern. Only on iHeartRadio's YouTube channel. Save the date at new-qx80.com. 2025 QX80 coming this summer. An epic matchup between your two favorite teams, and you're at the game getting
2: the most from what it means to be here with American Express. You breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge, Now it's almost tip-off, and everyone's already on their feet. This is gonna be good. That's the powerful backing of American Express. See how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Eligible American Express card required. Benefits vary by card and by venue. Terms apply.
3: Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at FoxSportsRadio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. The only thing better than sitting on your couch watching the game is making money while you do it. Here's your best bet.
5: Great, great stuff from Dan Shaughnessy. I could listen to... Stories on 80s NBA forever. I think I've told you guys that when I was a kid, um, I don't know, maybe it was like fifth, sixth grade, I would come home from school and we had one of those Nerf hoops in the basement on like a door and our basement was finished and I would basically play by myself and I would keep like stats. I would be like, oh, it's the Milwaukee Bucks versus the 76ers and I would be every player and I would you know after Alvin Robinson Alvin Robertson would make a steal and a layup I would like go over and put down like two for Alvin Robertson and like I was super geeky into 80s NBA it was just so fun because you remember that was a time when there weren't there was not NBA league pass there wasn't multiple league partners with tons of games on and there wasn't really at least in my area we didn't get cable until I was I don't know. I want to say like seventh grade, eighth grade. So I couldn't just see NBA highlights all the time. You had to watch like the local news and they would show like day or two day old NBA highlights. Um, And then you had to read them in the paper. And again, some of the late games, you you would like wake up and look for like a Lakers Sonic score. And it just like wouldn't be in. It would just be like too late for this edition you just wouldn't know the score. It was just like – a. I know that's an unfathomable tale to tell for the young guys out there. But that's how into 80s NBA I was. And, and that's why these stories from Shaughnessy are great. Um, again, never a Larry Bird fan but definitely respected his dominance uh, in the NBA and the history of the NBA. And what him and Magic did for the sport basically in the 80s, rejuvenating it, putting it – Uh, on a platter for Michael Jordan to take into the 90s. Um, But let's quickly get to NFL Thanksgiving Thursday games. And listen, the slate's pretty brutal. You look at it and you're like, oh my gosh, wait a minute. All six of these teams lost on Sunday? Is that how bad this slate is? And, you know, you open up with Chicago-Detroit and I know there's like an online movement to try to get the Lions off Thanksgiving because they stink so bad and they're unwatchable. Uh, I'm on board with that, P.S. And... It's going to be a battle of backup quarterbacks. It sounds like it's going to be Boyle versus Dalton, which, you know, being out here in L.A., I think we're going to have the Macy's Day Parade on TV1 and probably Lions-Bears uh, is going to be relegated to, like, TV2 in the other room or, like, you know how you can hit the last button and go back? I think that's what, probably what we'll have to do for this game. I can't have money on it because who, who knows what the hell these teams are going to do? They're bad. They're unwatchable. I I mean, maybe you look at the under, but I got I got nothing on Bears Lions. These are two teams going nowhere. One coaching staff's gonna get fired, and the other one has no hope for the future anyway, even though Dan Campbell's in his first year. It's just a bad football game. Maybe there'll be late drama. Even Raiders, Cowboys, two teams coming off losses, but I don't know if you guys saw the Cowboys injury report and the wide receiver situation. Another wide receiver. It's like their fifth or sixth guy came down with COVID, but it's basically going around that room, starting with Amari Cooper, who was unvaccinated. He's out. It sounds like it's going to be Gallup. I don't know if Cedric Wilson's going to play. Uh, it sounds like C.D. Lamb, concussion. We don't – his status is unknown. So we saw how bad they looked against the Chiefs secondary. Now, I know the Raiders' defense is nothing to write home about. Um, Burrow, it took them three quarters, but they finally got got loose. And the way Mixon was able to run on them – I would assume Pollard and Zeke, and by the way, Zeke is banged up. Um, he, I think, he left the Chiefs game for at least a series or two. Uh, Might have been longer. With I think it was an ankle. Pollard, who I like and is on my fantasy teams, um, he he can get loose against this Raiders defense. So ultimately, I, I, you know, I definitely would not take Dallas at seven and a half. Um, and if anything, I would look at at, at getting the Raiders. But this is going to have to be one of those game time kickoff things where you're waiting to see who's active and who's not. Because frankly, with two days to go, it's not out of the realm that the Cowboys lose another receiver to COVID. So I I would just be careful with that one. And the night game is the one you probably want to have some skin in, is Bills at Saints. Buffalo, no joke, fighting for their playoff lives here. Saints, uh, they're on a losing streak right now. Trevor Simeon has this ugly habit of playing like garbage for three quarters and then putting big points on the board in the fourth so, you know, if you want to get a little exotic, Buffalo Bills first half could be something there. I did, their run game is so non-existent. Did they really try to make Matt Breida a thing against the Colts? Did that really happen, or did I forget that? Because I, I don't know what they're doing on the ground. Their offensive lines getting pushed around. Saints should win at the line of scrimmage, but then again, they gave up two forty on the ground to the Eagles um is this a tired defense? I don't know. Uh Latimore on Devonte Smith should be fun. But uh I'm sorry, not Devonte Smith. On on Stefan Diggs should be fun. But that's still it sounds like Cole Beasley's back and um you know, they kind of have missed him in the slot and I do think indoors on that fast track the Buffalo offense could have a lot of success. I would actually if, if I'm looking anywhere I know I've been hammering the Bills for a couple of days now, but I I do think they would be the side here. Um I think the Saints will continue to take money. If this can get under four, got to like like the Bills. Because remember, um, this was a preseason Super Bowl team. They haven't lost any stars on the roster. They're just playing poorly. And that generally flips, as we've seen many teams, namely the Chiefs uh, and others, do this season. So I I would look at, the if anything, the Bills and the nightcap on the road. It's tough for me to envision them losing again, and really, really getting behind the eight ball here. And the number just, it, it's dropping, but why? Because the Bills have lost a couple games, and now they're facing the third-string backup? Remember, uh, James Winston was the starter, Taysom Hill was the backup, and Trevor Simeon was third. So th- th- we're down to the third-string quarterback, and, and they're taking money, it looks like? I, I don't know. I, w- I would go Bills in the nightcap. But uh, again, no show tomorrow, but you have a great Thanksgiving. We'll talk to you Friday morning on The Dan Patrick Show and here on Stray Fire.
3: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.